You're listening to the Elvis Ultimate Fan Channel Podcast, the channel that is devoted 100% to the life and career of the biggest selling recording artist of all time, with your host, Steve Francis. Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode from Elvis the Ultimate Fan Channel. My special guest today is Sandy Miller. Sandy was an Elvis fan who over the years became a close personal friend of his. She was a guest in his various homes and took many of the candid photographs we have of him. Sandy has many special memories of her times with Elvis and is going to share some of those with me now. Hi Sandy, you're very welcome to the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. Well, it's my pleasure. It really is. I've been looking forward to speaking to you for a long time, actually. <laughs> takes a while to get together, doesn't it? It does, yes. And then we have little glitches and things like that as well. And uh, But it all comes together eventually, you know, if you have patience. Um, so uh, c- could you start by telling our listeners uh, where you were born and raised? Um, yes, I was born in Holland and um, lived there until I think I was like 13. And then we moved to Minnesota. And that's where I stayed until I moved to California in the mid-60s. Well, and then I, I moved here. Then I moved here to Vegas. Well, I, I uh, I've just learned something new then because I, I thought you were actually uh, born in the U.S. So you're born in Holland. Yes, I was. Well, there's a connection there as well because, um, as people probably know, uh, Colonel Parker was born in Holland. Breeder. Yes, I know. <laughs> and, and and so um, let's just dive straight in. Then, how did you first come to to meet Elvis? Um. Well, long story short, when I was in Minnesota, I had a pen pal that lived in California, and um, she invited, we wrote for several years, and then she invited me to come out um, during school break one summer. Um, I think it was a junior in high school at the time, and she said, you know, I'll take you up to Elvis's house, and I said, Elvis lives in Memphis, and she said, yes, he lives in Memphis, but he also has a home out here. And she goes, we go up there once in a while. And she says, he always stops. You know, he always stops to say hi. So that's that's how I first met him was um, going up to the house. Her, her mom actually took us up to the house. And sure enough, he came home from the studio. He was in a Rolls Royce and he stopped. And um, it was like literally maybe a 30-second stop. And then he, he drove he drove through the gate and that was that and you know so then that was basically the first i wouldn't even call it a meeting that's the first time i saw yeah it. yeah and what year was that um 65 right right so right it right in the middle of uh, movie making right right and that was it he was coming home from the studio and uh I, i'm sure you you must have got a great kick out of just seeing him there in front of you it was, you know, I hardly even remember it because I think I was in shock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were probably thinking, is this really happening? Pretty much, pretty much. But yeah, I'll tell you one thing. Once you saw him, you it was like instant addiction. You had to see him again. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, and he had such a memory. My roommate, um, the gal that took me up there, she basically introduced in those few seconds that he stopped, she said, you know, this is this is my friend Sandy from Minnesota. And that's all she said. I don't, couldn't even tell you what he said. I have, I have no recollection of it whatsoever. Hmm. And I came, I moved back 
I moved out to California the following year, and um, again, we went up to his house and stood at the gate, hence the name Gate Girl. Um, <laughs> but a year later, a year later, when he drove up, he pointed his finger at, at me and he said, Sandy from Minnesota, right? Wow. That was a year later. And I, I, only probably being told your name once as well. Not only that, but I mean, it was seconds, mm. literally. Yeah. And for him to remember that, just kind of, but I noticed through the years, he he was very good re with remembering names and, and faces and just everything, really. And tell me, uh, some people say that he is better looking uh, in person than he was on film or in pictures. Would you say that was right? Oh, 100%. <laughs> Goodness me, he must have been very handsome then. <laughs> he, he was always the prettiest one in the rooms, and that includes the girls, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was he was gorgeous. He yeah, was gorgeous. I, I remember a, a musician in the American studios, the same studios sessions in 1969 that he did in Memphis. Uh, one of the musicians said he was better looking than most women he'd seen. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was just he was just gorgeous. It, he was one of those people where you really didn't want to look away. You, you didn't want to take your eyes hmm. off him. Hmm. You know, yeah. he was yeah. just he was just pretty. Yeah. <laughs> So, so what happened after that then? So you moved to to California. Uh, I did. What I did. what happened then? Because obviously, you know, more happened, and you got closer to Elvis. So, if you can tell our listeners what happened next, it was very, it was a very, very gradual thing. It, um, my roommate and I, we would go up after work, you know, because we would get off work. We lived about an hour away from Beverly Hills. Um, so we would get up there about the time he was coming home from the movie studio every day. So we just got to see him constantly, um, several times a week, and he always stopped and he always talked. Sometimes he would just stay in the car, other times he would pull through the gate, park the car and walk back up to the gate and spend 15-20 minutes talking with everybody. So, you know, that went on for a few years. In the meantime, um, you know, he just got to know people. Um, I <laughs> I started dating Charlie, so... Oh, Charlie Hodge. Yes, yes. So, All right. Um, so, you know, that had a lot to do with also, you know, getting inside the house. Although, I, to give Charlie credit, <laughs> the first time he invited me in, because it was Charlie that actually first invited me in, he said, if you're going in with me just to meet Elvis... He goes, that's not going to work. And I go, well, I already met him. So, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it, that's, not the, that's not the issue because I truly liked um, Charlie. He was a nice guy. Um, so, it, it, like I say, it's a gradual thing. It just, it just developed over the years. I can't pinpoint any particular I, – I don't know when it changed. But it, it, the end result was I quit going up to the gate because it seemed kind of – silly to be doing that um and basically if they were coming into town i would get a call saying okay we're going to be in town tomorrow if you want to come over or if they were going to palm springs for the weekend which happened several times a month um they would call and say okay we're going to be in palm springs for the weekend do you want to come down for the weekend and then i would go down friday night after work and return back home sunday night 
so I'd be home in time to go to work on Monday. But it was a, you know, it's just one of those things. It just gradually. Yes, it, 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 it evolved. It evolved. He, put, he, put, he probably came to trust you over time because you, you were at the gate a lot. I know you, you jokingly say, you know, you were called gate girl. But I, I think it, that, that would be kind of unfair because as it evolved, you became more of a friend. So you would have been an Elvis friend, not so much a girlfriend, <laughs> but a, a friend. Would that be right? Yes. Yeah, I would. I would. I, I classify myself as a gate girl because that is how it started. Um, I was going to say, obviously, at the times when you were round the gate, uh, being a gate girl, you took quite a few photographs of Elvis, and you also had quite a few photographs taken with Elvis. I did. Uh, there's some fabulous photographs, actually, around about the 1969 mark, where he's in a yellow shirt, and he looks, oh, ab- yes. he looks absolutely fantastic. He looked fantastic in all the photos. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly that one, I think. You know, we used to we used to give him cop every time we took photos. We always had duplicate sets made, not only to share among each other, because there was like a core group of four to five fans that were regulars. They were there every night, um, so we would exchange among ourselves. But we also always gave Elvis copies of mm. everything, mm. and he always had disparaging remarks to make about himself. <laughs> Tell me uh, a little bit about a story I heard where he, he asked you one day why you weren't taking photographs. One time was because I was out of flash cubes and it was dark, so you can't take a photo with the Instamatic camera um, without a flash cube. No. And <laughs> So that was the answer I gave him for that. And he said, well, he says, if you want to run down to the village and get some, he says, I'll go in and have dinner and I'll come out later. And he did exactly that. And I did exactly that. He's such a fantastic guy, isn't he? He loved his fans. He would almost do anything for his fans. You know, he was amazing with the fans. I cannot think of another entertainer to this day that would come out almost every single night number one. Number two, that actually learned the names of his fans and, you know, got to know them on a personal level. Um, And I can give you instances where um, he went out of his way to, if he didn't see somebody for a while, he would go out of his way to try to find out what happened to him because he was worried. Um, He if any, if, if any of the boys or anything said something about, you know, come on, let's get going, he would say, no, you know, you know, I, I want to stay here. I want to visit. Hmm. He, and that never changed over the years. I mean, well, the last couple of years, he was kind of more reclusive once he moved to the, the Montevale house. But even then, the, the people that had been coming around prior to his move to the Montevale house were still being invited up there mm. so he he had his little core group of people that did not work for him that were still around can you tell me a little bit about being inside the homes of elvis when he was obviously uh, entertaining or was he just relaxing or what, what what did he do when you were in there pretty much what everybody does inside your house <laughs> watch television and talk yeah pretty much yeah it wasn't i i never saw any of those wonderful wild parties everybody seems to think he had that may have been before my time I don't know mm, mm. but it was just like 
like if you had a bunch of friends over. You know, you sit around, you talk, you watch TV, you hang out by the pool. It, it could almost come under the heading of boring some days. Mm. And I know that's hard, hard if it weren't for Elvis, you know. Yeah. To sit there and watch TV for nine hours. <laughs> Well, you see, I've said this to other guests and other fans as well. I, I do firmly believe there were probably two Elvises. There was the there was the image, and then there was just the private Elvis who was just an ordinary guy. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and he, and he, even he had so many sides to him. So many. I don't want to say personalities because I don't want to make him sound like he was some kind of a sibyl or something. But yeah. Um, yeah, but the minute he walked into a room, you you knew. You knew his mood. Mm. You just knew it. You could feel it. It was either going to be a good day or it was going to be a bad day. Yeah, yeah. somebody said to me once, you didn't even have to be uh, facing the doorway when he walked in. You could almost feel him behind you walking in. Oh, I'll give you one better than that. We kind of had the feeling whenever he was in town, even before we got the phone call. Wow. We... we kind of knew okay he's on his way <laughs> <laughs> um movie nights you 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 spent uh, time at the movies with him as well when you went to uh, the memphian and so forth did you yeah i went to not that many maybe five or six movie nights i only went to memphis a few times hmm. um, so but yeah we we saw god the only movie i can remember was a movie called blow up okay um, but yeah, we, we went to several movies um, when we were in Memphis. Got to go into Graceland. Um, wow, I was just about to ask you, did you ever go into Graceland? Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've been there once, but obviously just as part of a tour, you know. Oh, yeah, no, this was this was when he was alive. This was straight from the movies right over to Graceland. So that was very memorable, <laughs> to yes, say the least. Yes, yeah. And uh, have you visited Graceland since his death? I have. Um, after he died, I didn't go for a long time. Um, so I, I don't think I started going again until 1980. I think it was 1980 was the first time I went back. Yeah. Yeah. They opened it, I think, in 1982, I think, didn't they? Um, I, I want to ask you, um, I read somewhere about uh, one time when some of the guys were being unkind to a girl in one of the Palm Springs homes. Um, one of the boys had um, um, a girlfriend, and she wanted to bring her sister into the home to meet Elvis. Um, now, the girlfriend was gorgeous. Her sister, not so much. And um, and the guys were kind of snickering about her and basically ignoring her. And <clears throat> Elvis caught on to that real, real quick. And stood up from the couch, walked over to her, took her hand, and he says, let me show you the house. And as he's walking out of the living room, and he was headed towards the kitchen, he turned around and shot everybody a look that could have killed. But he, he took her around the house, he showed her the house, it's not a big house, hmm. um, then took her out in the backyard, showed her the pool, brought her back in, sat her down, and he says, can I get you something to drink? And, you know, she was just a nervous wreck. Um, and he went to the kitchen and he got her a glass of lemonade. And the, the, everybody got the hint. You mm. know, you better just shape up. But, yeah, he made her feel very special. He was very good 
at doing that. A lot of times, even at the gate, you would get the very rambunctious fans who were like all over him and in his face. And then you'd get the ones that were quiet and just kind of stood back and were just watching him. And, and he'd bring them forward. He'd say, come here, come here. You know, what's your name? Come here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, do you want a picture taken? He would pick out the people that needed to be picked out um, and that needed to be reassured. And he did it effortlessly. I mean, it was just like a second nature to him almost to to be kind like that. Yeah, he. I mean, he sounds such a great guy. Uh, I, you know, I, I never met him, unfortunately. I wish every day that I had met him. Um, I mean, he handled that situation so well, you know, with the, 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 the guys being unkind to the girl in the house. He could have just yelled them out, but instead he just showed them how they should have behaved. Right, without saying a word. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yep. Um, can you can you share his uh, like his silly humor? I I know he had a great sense of humor. I think I often think sometimes that me and him would have got on well because we seem to share the same sort of humor. You know, we like silly things and oh, things like that. You mean you mean wicked? Yes, yeah, <laughs> wicked. Yeah, I, I can be wicked sometimes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he could be. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, he could be quite the jokester. Um, there was there was one time in Palm Springs, and it was. It was night. It was late, probably 10 or 11. Um, <laughs> and the guys had, a couple of guys were staying at a local hotel. Uh, and there was only one or two left there at the house. And a few of us girls. And the guys, I, I don't remember, all of a sudden they just kind of disappeared out of the living room. And the next thing we hear is this scratching at the, at the window. And scared the crap out of us. <laughs> we're jumping up and we're running around and we're screaming oh, somebody's trying to break in, somebody's trying to break because there was no fence around this house. Yeah. Uh, anybody could walk up to the front door. And um, yeah, it turned out it was Elvis out there being <laughs> weird. <laughs> Just trying to scare y'all. And it worked. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, I've also got a note here to say how Elvis, he, Elvis loved beautiful women. Fair enough. But he also, but but he also needed uh, the women to be able to have intelligent conversations, discussions, and a great sense of humor. So, do you think that those uh, traits in women were more important, maybe, than their looks? I think the looks is what attracted him first. But if they, if there wasn't anything past them, past that, he lost interest very quickly, like literally within hours. Hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, he liked, this man could talk, this man could talk your ear off. He liked to talk, um, and he could talk about anything. He was interested in everything, history and, and religion and you name it, and he could talk about it. And so, yeah, he wanted somebody who could, you know, give him feedback and, and discuss things with him. Um, so that, that was very important. He didn't want somebody that was just going to sit there and smile and nod their head while he's doing all the talking. Yeah, yeah. He wanted he wanted feedback and somebody to be able to be, you know, knowledgeable on the same subject that he was talking about. Exactly. I've also got, um, uh, including here, he, he uh, misspelled your name wrong once. Is that correct? 
No, and it, it's not that he misspelled it wrong. I had him sign something once, and because I spelled my name with an I, I just because he was always asking people, "How do you how do you spell that? How do you spell that?" Yes. So when I had him sign something, I said, "It's Sandy with an I." So he wrote, "To Sandy with an I." <laughs> just, yeah. Just the whole sentence. And another time, I had a an album that I wanted him to sign, and I said, "Can you make this out to me?" So he says, to Sandy, from me. <laughs> that, that's my autograph. I have an autograph that says, to Sandy, from me. <laughs> so, I mean, just going back to what we were saying there, you know, he, he wanted to have an intelligent conversation and so uh, about certain subjects. But he was also interested in people as well. I'm sure he'd ask people lots of questions about themselves. Oh, heavens, yes. He, um, that's, what made, that's what made him so different. It, it wasn't all about him. Um, he didn't talk about himself. Uh, if you asked him a question about himself, yeah, he might give you a little bit, but he was more interested in where are you from, how'd you get out here, what do you do, what do you think about this, what do you think about that. Mm. Um, mm. That's that's what he was, and he'd remember this stuff. Um, he and I don't know. There was there was a lady, an older lady, and her husband who used to go up to the Hillcrest house. They'd come up every weekend, um, just on the weekends. Older couple, uh, not in the best of health, but this was something they liked to do, something they looked forward to doing. Um, and then all of a sudden, her and her husband didn't show up for several weekends in a row. And so he was asking all of us, you know, what? does anybody know what happened to Jane? And we're like, no, and he goes, well, what's her last name? Well, we didn't know each other's last names. Mm. We knew each other's first names. Well, nobody knew her last name. Um, and how he found, I think Charlie said that he, he remembered her license plate number or something. Um, I think that's who told me that. I don't remember now. Mm -hmm. But long story short, he tracked her down. He tracked down this woman who lived in Van Nuys, California, and got in his car by himself, drove out there. She lived in a trailer park, come to find out, and knocked on her door and wanted to know, you know, was everything okay? Because he knew, he knew they were not in, in the best of health. Well, it turns out her husband had died, and... Um, and that's why she hadn't been up because she didn't drive. He did all the driving. Mm. Well, we ran we ran into her in um, in Vegas. This is how we, this is how we found out. She's the one that told us the story. Told us the story, and then I followed up with it to find out more. Um, so she's telling us, you know, Elvis showed up at my house, and we're like, yeah, sure he did. <laughs> and she goes, but she she hauled out of her wallet a picture that she had taken, that her friend had taken, of Elvis in her living room. And you could still see the pictures from the fu um, the flowers from the funeral in the background. Um, and here's a picture of her and Elvis. So that's, that's when I asked Charlie what the deal was, and, and that's, how we got, that's how I got the background story of what had happened. So, yeah, he, he had a way of finding out things about people. Yeah, that's a fabulous story. That's an absolutely fabulous story. Um, did he ever speak about um, his movies? We know that he was uh, 
you know, sort of the mid to end of the 60s, he was very sort of disenchanted with his movies. Did he ever speak to you about them? I wouldn't say I'd call it speaking about them. He would come home from the studio and make fun of them. Um, and he'd give you kind of hints about what the movie was going to be about. And I know one time, I forget what movie he was filming, but he goes, yep, today was a great day. He goes, I got to sing to chickens. <laughs> you know, he'd just make fun of them. I mean, he, he, I'm sure he complained about him to other people, but um, as far as talking about it, fans and stuff he just he just make fun of stuff yeah yeah i would imagine just thinking about it that was probably he was probably filming old mcdonald uh he did old mcdonald in the movie double trouble around about 1966 67 so it could have been then it could have been then <laughs> but yeah it's, I, I felt bad for him mm. um, that, that's why when when he did the 68 special it was so so nice to see him excited about something he was just so looking forward to that nervous as heck but yeah i was gonna i was actually gonna ask you about that because you actually attended the tapings didn't you we did and also we got our tickets from him to go because he was afraid nobody was going to show up hmm. so he was literally at the gate handing out tickets which were free anyway we had already sent for we had already sent for our tickets all you had to do was um send a self-addressed stamped envelope to nbc studios and I think they gave you up to four tickets per address or something like that. It was either four or six, I don't remember. Um, but um, so we had already received our tickets, and he's out handing out more. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was he was excited about that. So uh, tell me a little bit about actually seeing Elvis. Uh, this was probably been the first time, other than seeing him on television and in movies, actually perform. Oh, I'd never seen him perform. Mm. So it was it was amazing it, and it was a very small room um, I don't know if that comes across on the screen but that was not a big room that he was in um, they had bleachers set up around the stage uh, but yeah it was it was like a whole different person out there just a whole different person yeah yeah it definitely was a comeback by but you know by all yeah, by all accounts uh, when you sort of see Elvis uh, on the NBC TV special and then you see him a year before in Double Trouble, you know, it's just <laughs> a complete yeah. and utter different guy altogether. And you, and you could tell he was having fun and he was loving it. He was loving it. <laughs> and of course, you, you would have been privy to all the sort of the outtakes and all the setups and things like that, because obviously when it's all edited together, it's seamless. But I'm sure there's times when they had to stop and retake and do everything. Oh, many times. They had they had to do a lot of retakes on a lot of things, um, which I think didn't didn't they release a set of all the yes. retakes? Yes, there's a, there's a box set now of just about everything that was in the can at the time. Yes, uh, yeah. so so all that's sort of shown as well. Um, tell me, they they got the girls to sit on the on the edge of the stage, did they? Yes, they they kind of went around and picked people to sit around the edge of the stage. Have you ever seen have you, have you ever seen yourself on on the uh, TV special? Oh yeah, I can see myself. Okay. I can see a lot of I can see a lot of the girls that were regulars at the gate are the the, the two redheaded sisters, um, and I can I one of the one her name was Teresa and I cannot remember the other one, um, Linda Hahn. Yeah, there's there's a lot of the regular people at the stage, which is why they're fairly calm. 
sort of. <laughs> <laughs> they'd be used to being quite close to him anyway. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Although they'd never quite seen him like that before. None uh, of us had. None of us had. Then uh, 1969 and the after the comeback special, he went back to Vegas, uh, a very, very yes. successful homecoming to Vegas because of the, the first time he'd been in Vegas in 1956, it wasn't a success. Uh, they just weren't ready for him. It was, it was just the wrong time, I think. Yeah. Uh, but you can't say that about 1969. Did you see Elvis live in Vegas? In Vegas? Oh, yeah. Heavens, yes. We yeah. went, um, he would go in January and August, I think. And we would go every every January, every August, usually for a week. We'd go a few days before he opened, and then we'd come back um, a few days before he closed and stayed for a few days after he was closed. And again, it's sort of, you know, it's completely different to the guy that sort of, you know, visited with you at the gate. Again, yes. <laughs> we, would go a few we would go a few days early because we could go to the rehearsals. Um, sometimes, not all the time. He had to, he had to be invited. Um, so we go to a few rehearsals, and also he wasn't. W once he started doing the shows, which is like thirty days, and that's another thing, thirty days straight, two shows a night, sometimes three. Who does that? Nobody does that anymore. No. Nobody did it back then. No. I I don't know how he did it. Like superhuman. Well, we know now that it did take its toll. It did. It did. Um, I mean... I would imagine that probably by about 1973, maybe 74, that, you know, the, the novelty was wearing off. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's probably one of the reasons why he started touring after sort of the tail end of 1970 onwards was because, you know, probably after two or three seasons uh, in the International Hotel, it was probably starting to get a bit old. I'm sure um, when you work that hard and that, I mean, he didn't even know what day it was. Sometimes it, it was that grueling, mm. you know, mm. and it's not just the show. We do the show and then it, there was the meet and greet after the show. So you're talking, you know, getting back upstairs at three, four in the morning, sleeping until noon and then getting ready to do it all over again. Mm. It's just. I I just really don't know how he did it because you he had to have just lost track of time and yeah you know it's just something that's very hard on a body. Yeah, I mean I've heard uh, tapes of him saying this is on tour now. This isn't Las Vegas. He says good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and then he turned to the band and said it is afternoon, isn't it? So you know he oh. he wasn't sure whether it was an afternoon or an evening show because it was just <laughs> it had just become so such a, a merry-go-round. Yeah, it's just like I don't know. I I feel really bad for him, you know, and he loved what he did. Um, he he just that's what he lived for. But yeah, like. Like you said, it took its toll. Tell me about the last time you spoke to Elvis and saw him. Um, that was a few months before he died, and it was in Palm Springs. I had gotten a call to come down that he was in town for a few days, or not even a few days. I just said, I think I was told he was there for the day. And I'm like, I honestly, I didn't want to go. I had so much stuff to do. And then just on a whim, I thought, okay, fine, you know, I'll just, I'll go down for the day. And it was, that's like a three-hour drive from where I lived. <clears throat> so I got my car, I went down, 
and um, he was there. Um, he looked actually, you know what? He looked he looked pretty good. He looked really happy. He was in an absolutely great mood. Um, he was there with a a gal whose name I cannot remember, um, but he introduced her as he says, "This is my new girl," blah blah blah, whatever her name was, um, and uh, he was just happy, you know. They he was holding her hand, walking around all shiny like a little boy in love again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever. Here we go again. Um, but. Uh, and then after she after she left the the kitchen, um, you know, I just said, "How you how you been?" And he goes, "Great." He goes, "I'm going to I'm going to take some time off and get healthy." Those were his words. I'm going to take some time to get to get off to get healthy. And he goes, and then I'm going down a new path. And I never asked what that path was. I don't even I don't even know if I even thought about it at the time it was just conversation after he died like a year or two a year or two after he died the stamps were performing in in your Belinda where I was living and we all got together for lunch and um, you know we're all talking about the last time we saw him and JD Sonner said so I told JD what what he had said about going down a new path. And J.D. says, well, you know what that is, don't you? And I went, no. I said, I didn't ask him. And he goes, he was going to go on a gospel tour with us. And I said, Colonel never would have allowed that. And J.D. said he was going to do it. One way or another, he was going to do it. And then that's it. That's all I know. Well, one of the clear outs could have been that he could have uh, got rid of Colonel Parker, maybe. Maybe. Uh, there was rumors and rumblings uh, early 1977 that uh, the colonel had actually put Elvis's contract up for sale. Now, oh, really? Now, whether that's just, uh, you know, sort of like media gossip or whether it was true or not, I, I, I don't know. But you oh, just, I, I don't know either. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's interesting that you said that he said that to you, you know, that he was going to get himself... Uh, healthier and he was going to go down a different path other people have said exactly the same thing um, especially when he was in Hawaii in March of 1977 yeah they've said that he was you know definitely going to take time off at the end of the 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 tour which was August 1977 which obviously he was just about to embark on when he died I think he was going to do something after that I think he was going to do something after that I think anyway I think he had said he, he wanted to take six months off. Mm, yeah. Six months off to get healthy and then go down this so-called new path. Now, some people have said, well, he couldn't afford to do that because, you know, so many people are relying on him and all that. But I say I don't think he could afford not to have done it. Uh, yeah. Because it, it's obvious that uh, in 1977, things were reaching, uh, coming to a head. Things mm -hmm. co Things couldn't go on the way they were going on he was getting older um you know he was he was expected to do all these shows um you know when he was a young man you know in the in late 60s early 70s yes he could do it but you know when you're getting into your 40s you have to start slowing down a little bit so i firmly believe what you say you know he was going to change courses yeah i think i think he knew it was time for a change whatever and, changes he felt he needed to make 
And he always wanted to be in a, in a gospel quartet. You know, even when he was a young man, he wanted to be in a gospel quartet. But, uh, you know, he was... What, at, at home, if he sat down at the piano and sang, it was gospel. Hmm. Always. Yeah. Up in the suite, it was it was gospel. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What What do you... What do you miss most about Elvis? Oh, my gosh. I know that's probably a difficult question. I don't know. He was just one of these people when you were around him, you felt special. You felt almost peaceful, unless he was in a bad mood. That's a whole other story. Mm. And you went and hid in the closet. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. He was just one of those people that, you know, have you ever, have you ever had friends that, they just made you feel good just to be around them. They just, you know, you, you can't even put your finger on what it is. Yeah. They just make you happy inside. Yeah. And and that's that's the way it was to be around him. You just felt happy inside. Well, um, well people like myself, uh, as fans, we get the same feeling when we listen to his music, when we listen to him singing, when we see him walk out on stage in one of his concerts on television or if we watch one of his movies, we get that same feeling that you're describing now he was just very special that's all he was eccentric and and weird and, and lovable and just a contradiction of himself but i don't know he was just a very unique person and there'll never be another no there never will be another i always say an elvis presley doesn't come along once in a lifetime he comes along once he was that unique yep period once um I, I know it's probably a difficult thing to talk about, but where were you uh, and what were you doing the day you found out he died? Um, yeah, we had just left the movie theater, turned on my radio in the car, and I caught the last sentence of uh, the announcer saying, dead at the age of 42. And my heart just went, what? Mm. And then they play an El then they play an Elvis song, of course. So I broke speed record getting home. Um, I had a couple of phone numbers to Graceland um, that I never used, but I had them. So I rushed home. I called. The line was busy. I called five or six times, and the line, different numbers. I, I'm trying all the. I had three numbers. I tried all three numbers. All the lines were busy, and of course that just made me panic all the more mm. and finally I guess it's phone in the kitchen I'm, I'm guessing um, the maid answered and I said may I speak to Charlie please and she goes who's calling and she sounded normal so I'm like oh okay okay you know everything's fine she sounds fine everything's good um, and she says who's calling I said um, tell him Sandy from California and the minute Charlie got on the phone I mean he did he picked up the phone and he goes, it's true. And he was crying. Mm -hmm. And he goes, it's true. And then I knew, you know. And the the, the shock uh, must have hit you. I, it was just, you know, then all of a sudden that, that last weekend in Palm Springs just all came back because I can still see him. Now my voice is getting shaky. I can still see him in the doorway of the, the Palm Springs home when I left that day and he's standing there and, and, and waving and yelled out, drive safe. You know, those were his last words, drive safe. Mm. And all that came back to me and now he's dead. I mean, it's, 
no, not a good day. And I mean, 43 years later, and I can still hear the emotion in your voice. And uh, I have to admit, it's even affecting me. Yeah, (laughs) it was such a it was such an earth shattering moment. Um, And it was such and you know what? It was such a horrible day, too, in California. It was cloudy. I mean, this is August, which should be sunny and bright. And it was cloudy and dreary. And it just. Yes, it's a day we'll never forget. No, that's for sure. You um, did you uh, write some books about your relationship with Elvis? No, I did. Um, no, I didn't write any books. Um, I keep I kept journals. I have like over forty journals where, at the end of the day, I write down everything that happened that day, what he was wearing, who was there, what he said. <laughs> They're quite detailed. <laughs> I have those, but um, as far as books like released in publication, the only books I've done are two with um, Bud Glass. They're oh photo yes, books. yes. Yeah, they're the photo books. Yeah, the behind the image. Okay, are they still available? Are they, are they available on Amazon or anywhere like that? I don't. You know, I every time I say they're they're out of print or there are no more, they're sold out. Somebody crops up and goes, "No, no, no, they're still available." I'm like, "Okay, well, I don't know that they are." Um, they crop up on eBay every once in a while, but they're asking ridiculous prices like always happens Hmm. Uh, so I really don't know and I don't know if they'll do another printing or not but so I have those two photo books and the photo books do have a couple of excerpts from my journals in them if it relates to the the, a particular photo yes so just for a little bit of background to that photo correct correct yeah I would I, I would imagine a, I would imagine a quick search online might find some anyway. It's called uh, Elvis Behind the Image, is it? Correct. Yes, Elvis Behind the Image. Right. right. There's two. There's two. There's two books. Well, I, I've really enjoyed the, our chat, uh, Sandy. Um, I have too. I, 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 yes, yes, uh, and it's been emotional too, as well at times. Uh, I, I, I'd really like to thank you for for coming on and, and sharing your memories with myself and, and and our listeners as well. I'm sure they got oh, a, I'm sure they got a, a great kick out of it. You, you know, you, you can never get enough Elvis. You know, no, you can't. <laughs> uh, I mean, over fifty years a fan, and I still can't get enough Elvis. Oh, I hear you. I'm still <laughs> hanging in there. Well, thanks again, Sandy, for your time. And I, I, I've really enjoyed it. And uh, once again, thanks very much for, for coming on and, and sharing your memories uh, about Elvis. Oh, it's been my pleasure. I always love talking about him, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, please take care. You too. Okay, thank you. Thanks again to Sandy for sharing her Elvis memories with us. Also, a special thanks to Lisa Lauren for putting me in touch with Sandy. You can contact me at ElvisTheUltimateFanChannel at gmail.com and you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks for listening and I hope you'll join me next time for another episode from Elvis The Ultimate Fan Channel.